Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Eight shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Welcome back to the Masterclass. It's myself, Hayden, and Rob. Manchester United, the comeback kings, Rob. Cristiano Ronaldo with a last-minute winner under the lights at Old Trafford. Despite the issues, you can't help but enjoy these stirring victories. Guys, make sure you give us a follow on at TF Masterclass, at Haydar underscore Rabani, and at underscore Rob underscore B. Rob, what were your thoughts? You were there. Your voice is a little bit hoarse. It was a great victory, wasn't it? <laughs> A great victory, a great comeback, and how how so very Manchester United of this team. Um, we need to go one or two goals down to start playing some actual football. I think that's still a major concern. As you said there, you can hear my voice, and I think my eyes with the 3am 3 a, 3 return after another night at the Champions League at Old Trafford, that I'm a little bit kind of, not worse for wear, but a little bit tired, you could say. But the performance itself... Hit or miss, you know, I wouldn't say that we came out of that stadium last night with pure euphoria. It was great that we'd won the match, that we came back, but still more questions than answers. Yeah, Rob, I think one of the, the puzzling things, and I'm going to get the who scored graphic up here so we can actually look at the, the team here, but one of the puzzling things with this Manchester United side, Rob, is why does it take us to go down 2-0 for us to start playing? That's a frustrating thing. We, we look at this United side, Rob, and everyone talks about how, how we weren't that bad in the first half. I wasn't impressed in the first half. You look at Atalanta, who had five key players out. Demoral also got injured. And I think that was the turning point for this t- team. But with this amount of quality, Rob, I look at it and I think, um, you know, wasn't the best performance. I'll do it. Intensity was better in the second half. But Manchester United won this game purely because of the fact that they have better players. And, uh, you know, when the old Trafford faithful get behind the, the, the team, you know, special things do happen. 
these comebacks do happen. But apart from that, I wasn't sitting here and thinking this was the greatest performance. I wasn't sitting here and thinking that uh, United were, were vintage. But, you know, winning that was so key. We would have been do- bottom of the group, probably out the Champions League. But, you know, we're sitting here top of the group and it was a good, good win. But play like that against Liverpool and I'm extremely worried, especially in that first half. Well, the stadium was rocking and, you know, you get to a place, don't you, where you're kind of 2-0 down at half-time, you know, like you asked me before, you know, what was the feeling like in the stadium? And, you know, considering those goals and the way United played in the first half, the feeling was pure apathy. It was just kind of quiet. People just stood around chatting, going, well, this is what this United team deserves at the moment. They're not playing very well. Um, they're not stringing together the key metrics of what you wanted to see. You're not seeing the movement. The 43 one looked really rigid last night in that first half. Bruno Fernandes was literally running into areas that, again, you don't want him to run. Ronaldo wasn't running at all. Second half, there was a big change. And, you know, when we talk about whether this team is playing for its manager, then it was quite clear that, say, the I'd say for 40 minutes of that second half, that they were playing for their manager. Um, talking about, obviously, Cristiano, I think he's the key person we need to speak about in this show. If you can get the ball in Cristiano Ronaldo's head at any moment of the match and it's a great cross or you can feed him into the channel and you can get him into the box, do you know what he does? He scores goals. Isn't that funny? But United don't seem to be able to work a game plan around that philosophy. So I think, again, that's on Ole. And I think this is kind of where maybe the next few weeks of the season are going to go. And we're going to be talking about it a hell of a lot because Ronaldo's not going anywhere. He's not going to get dropped. He's not going to sit on the bench. He's going to play every minute like we saw yesterday. But there's still problems, I think, at the top end of the pitch. Uh, You know, you're looking here for people that are obviously listening to the podcast and not actually watching. We've got the the metrics up from who scored and the performance ratings. Uh, Bruno Fernandes got an 8.6. He was man of the match. He was given that uh, at the end yesterday. Ronaldo was an 8.1. I honestly didn't see that. You know, they're the guys that go and maybe turn the game, but some of their wider performance issues were definitely still present. And I actually thought Rashford and Greenwood, who didn't score very highly here, played quite well. You know, they gave United that extra kind of zip in the channel and they needed that. Um, So a, a weird kind of game, a game of two halves, but we need to see more from this Manchester United team because if they play like this against your bog standard Premier League team, or a top Premier League team, you don't win the game 3-2. It's as simple as that. Atalanta were missing five starters yesterday, and that was a big problem for them. And you could see that they couldn't really raise their game to get back in it when they were losing the match at 3-2. Yeah, I mean, look, Cristiano Ronaldo is Cristiano Ronaldo, Rob. He's going to score goals, like we, like you mentioned, if you give him service. I mean, look, that, that header was towering, wasn't it? He absolutely buried that bottom corner. But you, you wonder to yourself... Why are United not doing that more then? Why are they not feeding Ronaldo? Because that is what's been happening the last, I'd say, three weeks. And with Cristiano Ronaldo, we know what the issues are, obviously off the ball, the pressing. But if Oli can find a way to get more out of Ronaldo whilst also not sacrificing the whole team and the balance of the whole team, then United will start winning games. But right now, we're not doing either or. You know, we're not we're not going straight to Ronaldo and, and getting the most out of him. But then we're also, the balance is off as well. So, you know, what is your solution to this? Because Ronaldo is going to play, like we mentioned, every single week. The solution always, I think, in these scenarios is tactics. Find the tactics that mirror what you've got and, and find a way to go and hurt teams. 
So I think this is the issue. Like in the first half, I've had people tweet me as well already saying, no, United played really well in the first half. Well, United had chances. Obviously, they didn't take them. But I don't think those chances were born out of brilliant team play. Again, they kind of come from a final pass or getting in towards the box and an individual brilliance. So if you can do that on a consistent basis and you get the ball to Ronaldo in and around the box, I think he'll score you goals. I think Rashford's finish, you know, it was a really beautiful finish from Marcus, but he did have two chances before that he should have finished as well. So there's all these things about, like, what is creativity in the main, in when we're talking about football as a sport, and what is actually just like, you know, individuals having chances and trying to hit the target. There is a big difference. And, you know, we're about to play Liverpool now in the next match, and we'll talk about that towards the end of our show today. But you can see the difference between when they're having pure team play with their, say, their front six and their fullbacks pushing up, and it is like an orchestra. It's like Klopp's there, or you know, conducting the band. And then on the other hand, they do have individual brilliance to back it up. So then they have Salah, who get in the box, beat three players, put it in the bottom corner. United, unfortunately, are just the latter. You know, United, United can do it. That Ronaldo header was brilliant. It's a fantastic moment. Again, he gets up like, you know, 100 foot tall, smashes the header down into the ground into the bottom corner and we all go crazy and that's why my voice is as it is today so they're a great moment you know but we should keep saying about United they're a moments team they can only do it in moments and their general like play throughout the game has a weird malaise about it it's not quite there it's not quite snappy the press isn't on you don't see players really going for it um, we're not going to talk about him today, but I think Aaron Wamasaka is a really good example. First half looked unsure, didn't really look like know what he was doing, out of position. Second half looked like the best right back in the world. He, he had a great game, Rob. As in exactly. the second half, driving forward, he was he was fantastic. He did it like four times. And I was sitting there thinking, Aaron, do this more because it, you're dangerous. It was like when he was doing it, we were kind of all stood there like mouths wide open because we were like, what is he doing? Like he's doing stuff he's supposed to be doing, and we don't see this every week. So I think we saw it in previous matches. I think we talked about it in the Everton game as well, where there's there was moments again we saw him doing it, and in the second half last night he did it. But we had to wait until we were two nil down for players to start doing their job. That is a worrying trend, Haydar, because it's not new. We are seeing it over and over and over again. And then what happens is you run into a Leicester. And because Leicester are better than other opponents, is that when they get ahead of you, you then can't get back. It's too late. You've left it too late. So Atalanta, as I said, a half-fit Atalanta, losing their centre-back as well. Um, it all kind of went in United's favour. But United still had a job to do. They went and did it in the end. But I didn't come out of the stadium thinking, wow, we saw a great performance. We came out of the stadium thinking, relief. We're still in the Champions League because if we lose that, as you highlighted, we're out. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the the issue with this starting slowly, going down and then coming back is a recurring problem. We saw it last season, but what we were doing last season, Ron, was we we're finding a way to come back. We, we're not doing that this season. It's that uns unsustainability about our about doing that and about our play. And that's why when you mentioned we are a moments team, we are a moments team. There's, a, there's just, we're littered with quality. You, we brought Cavani off the bench. We brought Sancho off the bench. We brought Paul Pogba, £170 million worth of talent off the bench. Of course, you're going to win the game against the very... You know, I think Atalanta is a beautiful story. We know the story about Atalanta, what Gasparini's done there. We're a very small club from Bergamo. You know, 
tiny, punching above its weight, playing fantastic football. And to go to Old Trafford and, and do what they did in that first half with five key players out and then a sixth, it, it was phenomenal. But also a slight on Manchester United, Rob. That shouldn't be ever happening, ever, in, in any circumstance. With the quality that you've got, uh, United should be dominating at home. But, Rob, I do want to pick up this comment here from Cohen. It's a good comment. I did want to touch on it. He's asking, did we see the rotation between Rashford and Ronaldo last night, which helped with the press somewhat you saw the graphic didn't we on bt sports where manchester united set up with a 4-2-4 uh possession and ronaldo was on the left I, I mean that for me the gap between mcfred and then it was rashford and mason up the two up top and then bruno was on the right staggering rob like awfully bad i mean th these issues like this that's schoolboy errors isn't it the, that big gap between the midfield and the forwards i thought that was Crazy, absolutely crazy, Rob. But it's something that we have seen, you know, in terms of understanding our spacing and our structure. And uh, you have to feel sorry for McFred, Rob. People will go in and blame McFred. But at the end of the day, what are you meant to do when you've got a three-on-two overload? What are you meant to do when you are in a double pivot? Like, this is something we talk about. A 4-2-4 in a double pivot is, is kind of hard because you're telling your two midfielders to just do everything. That's what you're saying to the central midfielders. And you saw, like, again, I, I wasn't a fan of the substitute when he brought Pogba on to play in the pivot again. And, like, all fairness to Paul, he played really, really well. He came on and he did, he did the job. He kept the tempo going. But you, you look at Freddie McTominay in this scenario and you're right. What are you actually supposed to do there? You know, you're there to protect the back four. You're doing that job. You're doing all the physical work, all the dogs work, as I say every week on the show. But how are you supposed to link with an attack that's, you know, miles ahead of you and pushed right up? Because it wasn't a press. It wasn't four players pressing. That was the shape. It was 44. You could see it clearly from the stands. But... It was just the spacing. Like you're saying, it's weird. They're almost playing like Harlem Globetrotter football. Like you want to get like almost like a four-on-four four overload and it becomes, again, like a basketball match. And you think, well, hang on. You tend not to win against big teams like that. So I think yesterday United had to try and do something different. That was part of it. And they did do something different. I think uh, Rashford... You could see, I think, for the first half, I think he played well. Second half, obviously, he still gets his goal, but he was blowing a little bit and he was tired from about 60 minutes on. You could see kind of hands on his hips. But I think he's vital, you know, and, and, and we'll, we'll talk about Marcus a little bit on towards the end of the show after we've talked about uh, Ronaldo and Bruno. But he's going to come back in. He's the heart and soul of this team. You know, he's a Mancunian. He's a leader. And I think yesterday, even though you missed those two chances... He took the third and it was a really, really good finish. And if he doesn't get that goal, I think United probably go on and lose the match or maybe at the very most get a draw. But that fired United. Rashford was the player there that got United back on track and back into the tie. Yeah, it's great seeing Marcus back. We will talk about him because I think that uh, when you're looking at the balance in that front line, Marcus will press out of, you know, the options that Manchester United have. But Rob, let's talk about Paul Scholes' comments. So uh, on the screen here, if you're listening to this on audio, we have a couple of graphics of what Paul Scholes said last night. And I was very surprised to see, a part of me felt like Paul Scholes was saying this, Rob, because uh, the fact that Gary Neville's been getting absolutely slaughtered on uh, Twitter <laughs> yeah. because of his comments on Monday Night Football. I'm sure you've all seen them. But look, Paul Scholes said last night that, uh, you know, United, he turned into United for their lack of work rate. And this is from the mirror, by the way, and says their first half display against Atalanta was a real worry despite their incredible comeback at Old Trafford. They played an Atalanta side who had five players missing, a defender who went off at half time. I get the excitement, but there's something missing about that first half that was worrying. It lacked unity. That was a worrying sign. And he says also, I get the excitement. Oh, I'm just reading it again. I've just copied it out there twice. But either way, Rob, 
Scolzi went in on what he saw because at the end of the day, when you are going to be playing Liverpool and you play like that in the first half and we talk about the spacing, I mean, they're going to they're gonna cut you to ribbons, aren't they? And then let's let's talk about Rio's comments as well because you had the contrast, didn't you? And I want you to, to jump in on the Rio comments. But for me, it feels like um, they were almost going against each other just to create good content, <laughs> to be honest. That's what it sounded like, uh, to have a few, couple of good sound bites. But surely Rio can't sit there and watch what he watched and come out with what he said, because I think Scalzi was spot on. And in the past, I've criticised Scalzi because he's not really said it how it is, but he probably saw the backlash that, that Gary got and uh, thought, you know, maybe I should really say something a little bit different. Well, I think when you look at their comments and you look at Scalzi's comments compared to Rio's, Rio's comments are a little bit blue sky thinking. So... He was kind of going along the lines that United won 3-2, and that's a positive. And he's right. There's no doubt that if you're losing 2-0 and you bring it back and you're going into a massive match now against Liverpool, that you can't go into that game with a poor performance and defeat. Uh, you feel good because of the moments again. Yeah, they were great moments. But I think Paul, Paul Scholes is absolutely right and on the money with this because his comments really reflect how I feel and felt. So as I said, at half time, it was pure apathy. You know, we were stood there all chatting and we were kind of going, what, what are we seeing here? You know, the tactics look weird. The players look weird. There is so much frustration on the pitch and you're 2-0 down against an Atalanta team who are under strength. What are we seeing? What's going on in that dressing room right now? Now they came out, played for their manager, like I said, they go and win the game 3-2. But that is still in your mind, you see. Even though you're in the stadium and you experience that beautiful moment where the, the crowd pops and you win the game 3-2. And it's that's what we go for, Haydai. This is why I go to football. It's why I love Manchester United. It's for those moments. But those moments don't win you trophies over the length of a season. Generally, you'll get picked off. So I think Skulls' comments are reflecting that. Because if you play like Liverpool... You play Liverpool in that mould where you just turn up in moments and you don't start from minute one, you're going to lose. You know, it's as simple as that. So I think the whole thing about United and maybe say with Ole and tactics and the personnel is that there isn't this meshing between the 11 players on the pitch that you need to see 12 games into a season. 12 games into a season, you need to see a little bit, think, little bit more than you see in game one. And I still think we're having what I would call game one and two issues, where you, you think that you want to see teething issues in those opening matches, but not 12 games in. 12 games in, you want to see highly astute tactics, strong performances from minute one, you know, incredible work rate, and not frustration. You just go out there and do your job. And there's still players out there that I think when they work together as units, it's not quite working which is why I say Rashford is so important because I think he will refocus people he'll even refocus players like Ronaldo look isn't it weird we said like Ronaldo comes to the club and he'll help players like Marcus Rashford I actually think it's the other way around now I think Marcus will be the guy the dressing room guy who goes we're going to run for this team it's what we do and others might be then thinking I don't want to run but I better because we're losing games and we need to do something different um and you go against Liverpool now. This Liverpool team is in such form. I so said, we'll talk about it at the end of the show. But I think United, there are still too many issues for you to feel completely comfortable about a 3-2 victory against Atalanta. Rob, the key is the quality in the squad. And when they're on it, yes, it happens. Luke Shaw, all season, Rob, struggled and uh, had a really, really good second half progressive. You yeah. look at, obviously, Ronaldo. Ronaldo had a better 
second half. Bruno, we'll talk about Bruno in a second, had a better second half. Marcus is obviously back now. Sancho came on and get an assist, got an assist, I believe, which is fantastic. His first assist he had, he obviously he came on in the second half. Pogba came on. I think Pogba did change the game as well. So, you know, United have so much quality, Rob, but it's, it's, it's about getting the cohesive unit to one, understand their roles in an 11. They're not just 11 players, you know, playing, playing, you know, one-on-one. Uh, sorry, playing um, playing individually. And the second thing as well is making sure that um, we're, we're playing with intensity, Rob. And that's what we saw mm-hmm. in the second half. What, uh, what I don't understand is, um, you know, Scalzi's comments to spawn how Rio can turn around. Because it's, it's, it's the thing where people say, oh, it's one game. It's not one game. We've seen this all season. So, you know, it's the point where does Oli drop players, like we said, to make sure that the unit's better? You know, or does Oli or does Oli have to now find a way of getting everyone to jail? I my my only concern is Rob is that I don't feel like the players really necessarily understand their roles in the system, and unfortunately that does come down to the coaching side of it. Yeah, look, they've played four two three one for three years. How can they not know? How can they not know? They do it every day in training. I think more more than that, if you've got individual talent and they're all brilliant, and they are, they're they're a great collective in terms of players, in terms of what they can do, then you have to find a system that suits it. So I think at the end of the game last night, United ended the the fixture with the eleven that I think is probably their best eleven for terms of talent. You had Sancho on the pitch, you had Pogba on the pitch, you had Cavani on the pitch. These are players that obviously were were left on the bench last night. That's not a big issue. I've got no problems with Ole rotating it around, especially when you're not playing well. But I think that Ole needs to find a way to integrate his best talent into a formation that works. 4-2-3-1 will work in the main to a certain level, but you've got to have more up your sleeve. You can't go 4-2-4 because you're 2-0 down. That doesn't work every week. If you go 4-2-4 in the Premier League and you say, I'm not going to play over midfield and, hey, Fred McTominay, please just run your guts out, you're going to lose. Yeah, it's just simple as that. 4-2-4 does not work. It's not a a valid system when you're thinking week to week to week. And, yep, it means that you can go and get your your, uh, players at the top end of the pitch to go and win you the match or get you back into a game. But you shouldn't be thinking like that. You should be thinking from minute one, we're going to work hard within a system. We're going to move within that system. We're going to punish the opponent. We're going to create opportunities. We're going to score. And we're going to then make them change for us. There's too much of this for Manchester United where where the performances are so bad, the results start to slide. And then Ole's having to firefight. And I think that is a big, big problem with this Manchester United team. Uh, I think that's absolutely bang on the element of firefighting. It's reactive rather than proactive, Rob, and that, that's the frustration. So, um, look, we're going to move on to some statistics that Statman Baines put out, Rob, and I thought they were good. So, we're, you know, we're, we're obviously putting them into the show. So I want to give him credit. Um, but this is Bruno Fernandez's his statistics from FBRF. So let's pick out some key ones. Um, I'm going to let you start. Pick out some key ones and let's talk about it because I know that you've got a few that really are sticking out to you. Right, so Bruno Fernandes was man of the match last night. And you can see from his key metrics here that they're all pretty good from the from the uh, kind of upside of it. But this is also why we like to do this show, and talk about tactics and talk about the kind of eye test. Because what you see here with these metrics, it wasn't there with the eye test, not for most of the game. So for me, Bruno Fernandes had one of his worst first halves of the season. And what happens? Second half, he gets you two assists. But he still wasn't 
getting the ball into the box and making those key passes in the way that you wanted, the quality of them. The, the bits I want to highlight here, unfortunately, are the poor ones. And I know people obviously here, Bruno fans might be looking at this and kind of going, yeah, but he's doing, you know, 20 things right. And you're going to talk about the two or three things that he didn't do right. But I think they're really important for the wider structure of the team. So when you look here about his uh, average shot distance, Bruno Fernandes is starting to take shots from 21 yards. That's his average distance there, bottom 10% there of the percentiles on, on the pitch. It's not what I want. If you're Bruno Fernandes, you need to be getting in the box and acting like a striker. That's the best Bruno we have. But you can see now with the shape of the team, the 4-2-3-1, the way he plays that, and the way that Ronaldo forces him to play that, that he's losing that potency of where he operates. So I think that's a key stat when you kind of look at it in a, on a wider context of the team. Uh, and, and his shots on target there as well, 0.28. It, he's becoming one of these players that, again, is now turning into a moments player. You know, he's looking for the magic moment, the top corner job, you know, from a long distance. I don't want that Bruno Fernandes. I want Bruno to knit it all together and play that five or ten yard pass into feet that breaks the lines. We're not seeing it he gets the man of the match award because he gets those two assists and of course they're important if you win the game 3-2 from 2-0 down you're going to get a man of the match award but in the first half he was just running around like a headless chicken poor areas again too wide sometimes too narrow when the play was um when the play was expansive and when Ronaldo was on the top end of the pitch and Ronaldo wasn't pressing, you didn't have Bruno maybe being the set being that that kind of second man press going from behind to push the play up to support Ronaldo. They just were kind of level all the time, either too close or 40 yards apart. And you're kind of like, you two guys should know each other better. So I look at uh, his metrics, they're fine in the context of winning the game 3-2, but you can see why there are issues because the first half, I actually would have pulled him at halftime and brought Paul Pogba on. That's what we were saying at halftime. We were saying Bruno's having a really bad game here and we need a number 10 that's going to play that killer pass, but to feet and precision. And it was nothing really about Bruno's work that looked like precision was involved. His crossing and his corners were awful. You know, like it felt like Phil Jones taking corners for Louis van Gaal again. Oh God! Don't do not remind me of that, Ross. Those are dark, <laughs> dark, dark times. Um, falling asleep. Uh, I digress and I joke. <laughs> yeah, falling asleep during games. Uh, no shots on target till the 60th minute. Uh, you know all those nil-nil draws. But no, look, Rob. What I will sort of say to to counter that is, um, you've got a player here who's obviously very, very effective. You know, looking at the progressive passes. No surprise. I mean, he created nine chances yesterday. I mean, that is absolutely crazy, crazy numbers. And that's where the, the eye test doesn't marry up with the statistics, do they? Because yeah. looking here, obviously, passes into final third. It's what he has to do. He's in the 97th percentile for that. Passes in the penalty area. Again, he's, he's amongst the best in Europe for doing that. Um, key passes as well. You know, 97th percentile. He's uh, he's absolutely up there with the best, if not the best, in Europe in his position. And like but I said to you off air, like I said to you off air, those metrics for world-class number 10 have to be that you know don't he's getting those metrics but it's the quality of it you know it's the quality when you're actually there and you're watching him on the right and you see that he's got 30 yards of space and all he has to do is curl the ball in around the back of the defense that's his job and he doesn't do it and he doesn't do it six times you think to yourself 
what's going on with you? What? Why is that a problem? But yes, then he does go and get the, the kind of stats that matter at the end of the game. And that's why he gets the man to match one. That's why he is influential in those key metrics. But but let, let's 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 twist this around because my question every time I watch Bruno Fernandes, what frustrates me is the is the positional indiscipline that really mm-hmm. frustrates me. And I sit there, I think that there's two sides to it, Rob. Is he just not listening, or has he been given that free role? Because if he's been given that free role, then you're turning around and and asking the question, why is he being given that free mo- free role to the detriment of the system? Especially Rob, his. You saw the four-two-four. That was probably an instruction, but that's that's suicide. The gap between, mm. as you mentioned, right between McFred and the top is that was about what 50, 40, 50 yards. So, if if that's if he's been asked to do that, Rob, then that's on the coaching. Then you're asking the question of why are they giving him the free role at the detriment of the team. What you want to see is I I don't I'm sitting here thinking with Bruno Fernandez. I want to see him in a system and see whether he's just one of those players. I, I heard a very interesting thing the other day. I don't agree with this, but it was a very interesting. Um, comment from someone saying, is he Manchester United's Coutinho? That's the question where everything mm. went through Coutinho with Jurgen Klopp's team. They sold Coutinho. I'm not saying sub Bruno before anyone clips this up and says that I'm not. It's a question I want to ask. <laughs> if you were to, you know, if, is Bruno Fernandes someone that can't fit a system? Is he at the detriment of the whole? It's even like Rooney no, and Nistelroy when Ronaldo and obviously and, and um, Rooney were developing. But that's the question. You know, that's why I want to see: can Ronaldo fit a system, or is he a player who is actually to the detriment and everything goes through them? It's really difficult. I mean, a comment here saying here: I see a better Ronaldo, a better Bruno without Ronaldo. I think that's 100%. definitely fair, and we do know that. But that's the question because. I feel like at the moment, I don't think Bruno's just not listening. I think he's been given that free role and that's at the detriment of the team for me. No, I disagree because I think when you look at the way Ola plays 4-2-3-1 and we've got lots and lots of kind of evidence, both anecdotal, anecdotal and or statistical of, of how Ole plays it, it's quite a rigid 4-2-3-1. We kind of know what Ole wants to do. Now, in that system where, where Bruno is in that three behind, you often see with United the switch. So you find that Bruno Fernandes will off, will be as the 10, kind of traditionally, as the 10 behind Ronaldo. And then you'll see him quite often switch to the right and, and they'll play either Mason uh, back to the left and then Rashford through the middle. They play a kind of more progressive shape. And you see that Bruno has key roles in the team. The issue comes with Bruno Fernandes is that it's the discipline within those roles so he hasn't got a free role we've got to be really careful to uh, tactically how we describe that because if you had a free role behind then you would be able to roam he doesn't particularly roam he just ends up in bad positions so sometimes there'll be a time when he's playing on the right he doesn't really stretch to play on the right he doesn't you know he just ends up coming too narrow or something like that then there'll be times where he drops too deep as the number 10 and when he does get the ball and turn Ronaldo's a country mile away. So these are things that you teach your players on the training pitch. You say, you're good at this. I'm going to get the most out of you doing that. I don't think Bruno has has got license to do whatever he wants, but I think he gets frustrated when United are not clicking. So he just ends up doing wild stuff. And you think to yourself, just calm it down. Yeah, calm it down. You're an experienced pro play five and 10 yard balls and get United going, you know, go into those areas where you're not going to have someone stuck to you, but at the same time, don't come the wrong side of the halfway line. You know, you don't go and, you know, you don't need to be two yards away from Fred McTominay, who was sat near the front, near the back four. You don't need to do that. So I think that that is more about communication between whatever the coaching staff are trying to get the team to do and what they're doing actually on the football pitch. I don't think it's a free role, 
I think it's discipline within the role. And that is a problem because Bruno needs to be better at it. I don't care what these metrics say. It's when you look at it and you think to yourself, well, hang on, mate, you can't be doing that consistently match to match to match because they're consistent issues. You said about Coutinho, just to kind of uh, address that. I think when Coutinho played with that Liverpool team, he was the guy that made things tick and he came out of the box and he wasn't really a traditional number 10, but they played 4-3-3. He played to the left-hand side, but he used to thread passes through to those front three. Bruno doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He's kind of like a, he's like a number 10 that wants to be a number eight, but I want him to just be a number 10. Go and play the top end and get into the box with Ronaldo. But that means you have to do the work behind that to actually get there. Rob, I'm going to pull out, uh, I haven't got the stats on the, the screen, we're going to pull out uh, a couple of stats for Ronaldo and for Rashford. So let's talk about Rashford. So mm-hmm. in passes into the final third, he's uh, in the 16th percentile of yeah. players in his position. Uh, key passes, he's in 25th percentile. Crosses into pen- penalty area, 27th percentile. Yeah. If I go to Ronaldo, Rob, assists are, is a key one. and expect assists. Ronaldo's very low, 35th percentile, 42nd percentile. And um, we know shots on target. He takes so many shots, so he's 40th percentile. Now, I'm going to make an observation here, Rob. And I thought this when the lineup came out. I saw Bruno, I saw Rashford, I saw Ronaldo, and I saw Mason. I thought four people that like to take shots and go to gold. Who's yeah. going to create you got McFred behind you. And this is the thing. I looked at it, and obviously Manchester United won, and that's fantastic. We've got to analyze these. The, the coaching team are putting out unbalanced front threes. And look, they're all fantastic players, but there's not one play. If you've got Ronaldo, you need service. That's the reality. Mason and, and Rashford are not going to put the ball in the box. They're going to go for goal, and rightly so. So then you've got Bruno behind. He's not Pogba, is he, in terms of his distribution and creativity? So that's for me. I'm sitting there thinking, what is the what is going through the coaching staff's head when they're putting out the front four who are all going to be like, right, I'm going to go for goal. I'm going to shoot. And that's why Ronaldo doesn't get service, Rob. And that's exactly right. We can end the show there. That's that. That's that in a nutshell. Four-two-three-one. you know, it's a kind of uh, a more narrow style and it doesn't give you the chance to overload on wing play. So you can have those players moving wide. So in this case, it's Greenwood and Rashford. They can double up with their fullbacks. And as we said in the second half, the fullbacks were much better, giving you some width. But Rashford doesn't really cross the ball ever, does he? Greenwood's not particularly a crosser of the ball. Cristiano Ronaldo needs players to create around him. And this is why I'm saying that Bruno needs to be closer to him in the box. Because I don't mind if Bruno finds... Ronaldo with a a five or 10 yard pass, but deep in the penalty area where you're picking apart the opponent. And you see this with the metrics is that those front three, when you take Bruno out, are shoot first footballers. That is a problem. That's a problem because we're in the season. You can't change it. If you took one of them out and put Cavani in, Cavani's a shoot first footballer. So what can you do? But you've got to find a way, Haydar. If you've got the best striker of all time, at the top end of the pitch. And this is why I said in previous shows, when it hasn't worked, that's not necessarily Ronaldo's fault. It's not Ronaldo's problem. Ronaldo's going out there to win you a game by scoring you that header. That's what he does. And you did see that his work rate definitely increased last night with the intensity of the match where where the adrenaline was flowing and he was running to like left back and we were all cheering it like he'd scored a goal, like running 40 yards to left back to cover. It felt like as good as his header almost. But that's also not really what you want him to do in the wider context of the game. But that front four do not create and they're not particularly creative players. What they can do is stretch the play 
And this is where Paul Pogba becomes important because Paul Pogba still remains the one person in that squad that can pick a pass that no one else can. Uh, Bruno Fernandes and Paul Pogba are both creatives. Bruno Fernandes could not tie Paul Pogba's shoes for creativity. There's no chance. But if you play Paul Pogba in the pivot, and we've said this again, he's going to have to do defensive work. He's going to have to run more. He might lose the ball more. He'll frustrate more. Not very good, Robert. But you don't really want Paul Pogba creating... 10 yards in front of Harry Maguire. You want Harry Maguire bringing the ball out and Paul Pogba being up the pitch. So I still believe that if you want your attack to be at its most creative, you've got to find a way to have Paul Pogba at the top end of that pitch. And unfortunately, as I said at half time last night, looking at it purely observationally about what they were doing, I would have pulled Bruno at half time and put Pogba as a 10. And I'd said to Bruno, I would have said to Paul Pogba, go and change this game for me because the front four are not doing that for me. And as I said, I thought Rashford and, and Mason were okay. I think they did their jobs, but their jobs are also not really to create. You're never going to see those two guys play the killer ball, are you? They're shooters, they're finishers. You saw with Rashford's finish last night. I thought it was a beautiful finish in the bottom corner, but he then also had chances before that where he could have, you know, got United back in the match and two guilt-head chances in the game um, where the balance kind of felt like it was flying away from United at that moment rather than going to where we wanted to be. And something to add as well, Robert, I mean, if you're forgetting Jane Sancho, we know how creative he is. I mean, that's why Manchester United signed him because you looked at the front three uh, last season you thought there's no one hit. This is why Oli played Pogba off the, well, should have probably played Pogba off the left against Villarreal in the in the Champions, in the Europa League final. Champions League final. I'm just having dreading, dreading the thought of Europa League role. But, when you look at um, what, I mean, it could have been a reality, couldn't it? But when you're looking mm. at Jadon Sancho, his retention in the final third, his creativity is why Manchester United signed him. So then when you bring in, that's why I always think if you're going to play Ronaldo, Jadon Sancho is the player that has has to play in that front line for me. But the problem is, Mason's been fantastic, probably United's best player. Marcus Rashford gives so much to this United side. And then you're thinking, where else can Jadon play? Probably only on the flanks. He's not going to play as a number 10. Um, and that's why I'm looking at this and I'm like, get the balance right. We need the balance. We need to find a way. Because, look, we saw last night, if you give Ronaldo service, United will win games. But right now, yeah. we, and we, yeah. what I do want to say, Rob, is that we haven't, we're not sitting here and having a go at Ronaldo because there's a lot of people that think we are doing that. We're not. We're just simply saying that what's happening right now and what Ronaldo coming in, had, and I'm the biggest Ronaldo fan, but Ronaldo coming in has, has shaken United's balance. And... Right now, Oli's struggling to find a way to make it work. And obviously, last night we saw we won. But again, it was just because United were like, right, put the ball in the box, put the ball in the box, he'll score goals. So it, it is that problem. And if United don't sort out that against against uh, against Liverpool, I don't see with Ronaldo in your front three how you can be as effective in terms of playing in transition as, as you want to be, in my opinion. You just simply can't can't be like... I think you asked a question in our last show about with Ronaldo, is it a won't do or a can't do? You know, is it because he's 36 that he can't really do the press? He can't really do certain bits of the game? I don't think it's a, I don't think it is, is a, a can't do. I think in general, it's a won't do. And it's a won't do because that's not really his game. He's not come to Man United and in the contract talks, United said, right, we've brought you to press. And he's gone, yeah, I'm going to press for you. That's not, that's not reality. But it's about the makeup of the team, isn't it? And I think that there is this kind of falsehood of hierarchy now in the United squad where you have Cristiano Ronaldo, he runs the team. Bruno Fernandes, he's the next guy that runs the team. And then there's a kind of pecking order of players, whether it be Sancho, Rashford, uh, Pogba, where do they fit in this pecking order? And I don't think that pecking order helps 
anyone. Because at the moment, Jaden Sancho, your big signing, he's the guy on the front of the stadium, Haydar. He's got the biggest picture of his face because he's your future superstar. He's about six in the pecking order. And that's not good. He shouldn't be there. It should be much more of a kind of almost democratic system where you say to players, right, if you play well, I'm going to give you minutes. I think the problem with Ole at the moment is that he still doesn't know his best team. That doesn't fill me with hope. You know, 12 games in, I want him to kind of know a little bit more. And I think we're going to see more reactive selections and reactive performances because, yeah, Cavani will come on and go and give you that work. But that doesn't mean that that is the foundations to build your future performances on. It just means you get away with it that night. Paul Pogba looked good in the double pivot last night. Paul Pogba looked garbage in the double pivot against Leicester. So it's always these things about, it's not consistency of performance. It's how you set up and how you say to these players, right, I want you to go and be the best version of you. Pogba looked fine last night because he had a bit more space. He could run the game from deeper in that second half. Against Leicester, what did Leicester do? They hammered him. They smashed him. They made sure he was getting the ball on the edge of the, his own box and not the other end. Ole has to find tactics to release his best talent. We certainly haven't seen that. You know, We're not seeing these top players operating in their best space on a football pitch. Yeah, absolutely well said. Rob, let's finish off quickly. For a couple of minutes, let's discuss Liverpool. What are your thoughts going into the weekend? Fantastic, fantastic form. And uh, this is going to annoy a lot of Manchester United fans, but you just got to say it for me right now. Mo Salah is up there as one of the best players in the world, probably with Lewandowski. Uh, and with Benzema, who's having a great season as well. But Rob, what are your thoughts? Because I think Oli will go 4-2-3-1. He'll go with McFred, as expected. Um, yeah, it's, it's a difficult game. It's a really difficult game. I imagine Marcus will play, Ronaldo will play, I think Mason will play, Bruno will play behind. And then you just hope that Varane will be back for that game. But I mean, you look, if United do what they do and go 4-2-4 again, they're going to get absolutely rinsed in that midfield with, the, with their three with their three midfielders, Rob, who are so hardworking, so workmanlike, so well drilled. They're the best side currently on form in the Premier League. Yeah, I think when you look at the fixture itself, the Northwest Derby, you know, in Derby matches, anything can happen. So you could be bottom of the league, they could be top, you could beat them. It's kind of how it is. So you have to take that as your starting point in, in this kind of Derby matchup. Um, when we look at the tactics, it's not a good fit for United. So you know, for with them playing a four-three-three and having a workmanlike midfield, that can also release the attack. That's what Liverpool do, and they do it really well. There's no kind of dilly-dallying from them in terms of going from defence to attack. They're quite fluid. Um, I think Jordan Henderson's really, really important to that. But we've seen that Naby Keita's playing really well. He's kind of got back into his groove of where he was when, when he was signed for Liverpool and what they wanted from him. And then Liverpool got the other options. Obviously, someone like Fabinho can go and give you that defensive function and be elite at it, kind of one of the best in the world at playing that role. You look at United's 4 2 3 one they're going to play McFred. So first of all, if anyone gets upset about that, you know, dry your tears right now. You're going to play McFred. If you don't play McFred, it's because you're going to play Paul Pogba in a double pivot. You play Paul Pogba in a double pivot in a 4-2-3-1 against that 4-3-3, you will lose the game. So this is the problem I think that Ole has. But of course, this is his job. It's up to him to find solutions. So United's only system that they've used this year is 4-2-3-1. You know, transitioning into a 4-3-3 at times, but as we said, 4-2-4 when they're trying to score a goal. But if they play 4-2-4 against this Liverpool team, it will be because they're 1-0 down or because they're 2-0 down, and they might get away with it. 
but they almost definitely will get picked off. If you play 4-2-4 against this energetic, high-pressing, highly skilled Liverpool team, they are going to cut through you like a knife through butter. Am I worried? I am worried just because I do not like the matchup. But then again, Leicester played 4-2-3-1 straight up against United, system for system, and they made United look bad. So Liverpool, as you said, they're the best team at the moment in the league. I think they are. And Mo Salah is without a doubt, and I can say it, I don't care, I'm a football journalist. He's the best player in the world, and I think significantly so. He's ahead of Messi and Ronaldo, you know, and they're the traditional two. But for me... The things he does with Salah, it's not the amazing finish like we saw the other day where he beats three players and calls it in the bottom corner. That's the money. Yeah, that's the bit we get excited about. That's the highlights reel. It's the work. It's the way he goes wide and drags the centre-back that way. It's the way he then goes narrow and pulls the full-back out of position so Trent can get round that side. It's clever. It's what you do. It's what you work on. Rob, day it's coaching. Day out. It's coaching. It's... They're drilled to do. They know their roles. And there's no egos there, Rob. They will work hard from one to 11. It, it's, it's, it's coaching. And it's also knowing that the end product has to be winning. Yeah. So you do it because you want to win. You work hard because you want to win. And that's the big question over this United team is that I got no question that they want to win. I think they do. Are they willing to go kind of the, the extra mile? to get you over there. I'll tell you against Liverpool, they'll all work like dogs. Yeah, it will be it will be a crazy, hard game. United will, all 11 players, you'll even see Ronaldo press and everyone will be like, wow, look at this. And United might get something out of it. But then the issue will be when you go and play Atalanta away, you know, do you do the same thing or are you going to sit in a little bit more and be a little bit more conservative again? Because that's the fluctuation in performance. You don't see that with Liverpool. You see a consistency of performance, whether they're playing Brentford, or whether they're playing Manchester United. So there's no issue for them. They just, it's a system, it's coached. And, and this is the whole thing. Ole has shown that he can match up to Klopp. He knows what Klopp does. He's proved that he can take on top coaches and give them a bit of a lesson. He did it to Nagelsmann last year in Le- you know, against Leipzig and hammered them and, ma- and won the game 5-0. This year, kind of, you've got Liverpool coming, but Liverpool are playing the best football I think they've played since. When they won the title, they were great. Yeah. I think they're playing better. I honestly do. And I I study them. I study them for work and I look at their shape and I think, ah, their fullbacks are back. You know, they're not, they're not, they're not soft like they were maybe this time last year. Their front three looks really motivated. Mane looks really good again. Firmino looks like the best false nine in the world after last week. They've got all these bits working and what else? They've got Van Dyke. So they've got their pieces in place and they're just doing what they do. So United are going to have to overcome that with a huge performance because you're not going to get lucky against this Liverpool team. You're going to have to be super good to win this football match. Yeah, and on that note, Rob, we're going to wrap up, guys. Thank you so much for all your interactions today. Thank you for all your fantastic comments. You can follow us on at TFMuscus on Twitter. Also, my handle at Hader underscore Robani. Rob's is also at underscore Rob underscore B. Make sure you do subscribe as well. Turn on the notifications because there's lots more great content coming on this channel. Rob, thank you very much for joining me, and we'll see you all next time. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Podcast Network.